0: Welcome to episode 11 of the Give Us Time podcast, the podcast that highlights the extraordinary members of our armed forces and their families. This episode we have an incredible guest. For those regular listeners of the podcast, you will know our guest as she's been mentioned a fair few times during our episode with Alison and David Richman and during our podcast with Josh Boshy. This is because she's married to the extraordinary Josh Boshy. We are pleased to welcome Anna. So Anna, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. I mean, I love that Josh has been called extraordinary. (laughs) Extraordinary in what way? That was a lovely intro. Thank you. No, it's a pleasure to be here. All right.
0: um, So, Anna, can you just tell the listeners and myself a little bit about yourself, really? So, where did you grow up?
1: So, I grew up, um, I like to say Windsor, but it was actually sunny Slough. Um, Josh will say exactly the same. I can't remember what he said in his, but he probably said Windsor, but he grew up in Slough as well. I had a lovely childhood. Um, I was very lucky. Um, I was into my horses, spent every moment that I could down at the stables. You know, I'd muck out people's ponies just so that I could have a ride on them. Um, And it wasn't until I was about, I think I must have been about 13, 14, um, that I took on a horse on loan and just was absolutely besotted with him um, and had him for a good few years uh, before he sadly passed away. And as I got older, I just thought, do I really want to be down in the cold, wet, stinky yard? Um, And I'd started working in a retail shop by then. And I just thought, you know what, my time, my time at the stables is done. My sister carried it on. Um, My mum carried it on. She had her own horse. Um, So we've always been quite an active sort of sport. I wouldn't say sporty, actually. That's that's definitely the wrong word. But we're an active family. Like we used to go camping. We'd always have sort of holidays in the UK, but we'd always go and find something fun to do, whether it be walking along a beach or finding some cliffs to walk around and things like that um uh had a lovely primary school loved going there um and then went to my secondary school which was the rival school of where josh went um that's something else he doesn't tell people i went to the grammar school um (laughs) but our schools regularly played each other at football and things like that so um we had lots of mutual friends um we've actually known each other since we were 10 years old um he used to play football for my dad. He had a youth team um, and Josh was their goalie, much to my sister's disappointment because she was the goalie until Josh came along and my dad was, (laughs) out you get, in you go. Um, So we've known each other for a long time and our our path sort of drifted. Um, You know, I went on to, um, I actually went and did a beauty qualification when I left school. Uh, Did nothing with it. Most people will be like, really, did you do that? Uh, when they see the state of my nails and my face. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I went off and, you know, I did that and sort of went into my sort of project management that I do now. Um, and obviously Josh joined the army, but we've always sort of kept in touch. Like I'd always see his updates on Facebook and things like that. And I think that was such a great tool back then to keep in touch with your school friends. Um, so yeah, so we've known each other a long, long time. Um,
0: so, um, so obviously you said there, you met when you were 10, that's a, And then obviously you then got, you then went and drifted apart. You went to different schools and everything. So how did you then go and find out about Josh's accident then? And what was that like hearing that?
1: So we've got a lot of uh, mutual friends. Um, we would regularly be on nights out in Windsor. I think we used to go out on a Thursday night, a Friday night, a Saturday night, sometimes on a Sunday night. Um, <laughs> each other, you know, we'd always say hello or, you know, like his friends I knew and vice versa. Um, And I knew he was going back out to Afghanistan and I just had this, I don't know what it was. And I think if nothing had happened to him, I probably wouldn't say I just had this feeling, but it just didn't feel right. Um, I remember he put put something on Facebook, I won't say it on here, um, but it was sort of to tell people he was going off, probably would be on for a while. Um, And normally over Christmas, he would always put, an update and he did put one on there to say Merry Christmas to everyone and it got to New Year's and I thought oh this is this is odd like he hasn't you know said Happy New Year to anyone or or anything and i just come back from San Francisco and I was so jet lagged and I was at my um, my boyfriend at the time so I was I remember being I can remember exactly where I was in his mum's living room when I got a Facebook message from one of his really good friends and he said you know Josh Bodgy, don't you? And I just replied saying, what's happened? Because when you get that kind of message, you know something's not quite right. And I said, what's happened? And he just told me, you know, sort of a brief of what people knew. And I just thought, oh my God. Um, And I just said, please pass on my love to the family when you speak to them. You know, if there's anything I can do, you know, let me know. And I just thought to myself, I've got to phone my dad because obviously dad's known Josh since he was 10. Um, you know, he used to, his, because Josh's dad served, um, I think his dad was in the police by then, and his mum worked and had two other children. So dad would regularly pick Josh up for football and stuff like that. So they had a really close bond. And I've seen my dad cry maybe twice, maybe three times in my life. Yeah. And I remember I walked upstairs, got my phone and just phoned dad. And I said, I'm really sorry to have to tell you this on the phone, but Josh has had an accident. And he just said, what kind of accident? I said, he's in Afghanistan. And dad just broke down on the phone and he was so upset. And I said, no, no, it'll be fine. Like, you know, if he's the guy we all remember, he'll be absolutely fine. And at this stage, we didn't really know what had happened. We knew it had been an ID blast, but that was about it. Um, and then obviously as the weeks sort of unfolded, we found out more about what had happened. But I just remember feeling that sick feeling thinking, you're so young. And then it got me thinking, Okay, you're not the only one so that's good there's going to be lots of other people in the same situation and you'll you'll get through it and and I remember saying to him when when we actually went on our first like official date I was like I always knew you'd you'd get through it and you'd be fine He's I like, did you I was like well what else were you going to do sit in a bed all your life I was like no that's not really an option so yeah I'll never forget that day um and it seems like, and I know we'll we'll probably go on to talk about that lovely trip to Mallorca we had. I remember exactly where I was standing, I remember exactly which way I was facing, I remember the the temperature, the smell, it's it's those kind of things you never you never forget them.
0: Yeah, yeah. So how long from his accident then did you then start to go and reconnect with him for once you got back to the UK from Afghanistan?
1: So I obviously just, you know, I sent him a message on Facebook and just said, you are going to be inundated with messages. But I just wanted to say, you know, send you my best wishes. And if there's anything we can do, just let me know. Dad sends his love and all the rest. Um, Obviously, he then had to get back and, you know, he was incredibly poorly when he came home. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I'd see like a couple of updates on Facebook and I'd always put a like on there or just, you know, write a little message. And it wasn't until the June and I'd been on a night out with my best friend for my birthday and I was so, it's a hangover I'll never forget as well. (laughs) I remember I was sat on the sofa in my parents' living room and I was nursing a Big Mac and chips. I couldn't eat it. I was like, and I was just looking through Facebook and he popped up online. So I thought, oh, I'll say hello and just see how he's getting on. And just from there, we just got chatting again and it was really lovely just to, I'd split up with my boyfriend months before that and it was just lovely just to have somebody to talk to and there was nothing in it because um, you know I, did, I didn't see Josh like that at all it was mm. just he's a mate he's someone I've known you know he's gone through this awful time and you know I just want to see how he's getting on and we just got talking more and more and then we exchanged telephone numbers so we came off Facebook and actually phoned well actually no we didn't phone each other it was all over text because of I course
0: of course <laughs> <laughs>
1: I remember the first time, it's like, now we never use, we don't use mobiles to call people, do we? You see it, really? <laughs> <laughs> send me a text. And we just got chatting and I just said, you know, if you a fancy go for a drink to catch up, it'd be lovely to see you. I said, you can show off your new legs. So we then got a date in the diary um, and he was still at Headley Court at the time. So I'd finished work early. I remember I went home and mum said to me, she said, where are you going? I was like, oh, I'm just going to see a friend. Because I, I just thought, do you know what? No one, no one needs to know at the moment. Yeah. I was. Yeah, I wasn't doing anything silly. Um, and I drove to Headley Court to meet him. Um, he was like, uh, there's a pub down the road. We can go there for, um, I think I'd said to him, like, I really fancy a burger. So he said, oh, well, we'll go to the pub and we'll go for a burger and a beer. And um, he said, the only thing is, is I can't drive at the moment. Can you pick me up? Well, I had a Mini Cooper at the time. I was like, well, <laughs> I mean, I can, but my car's quite small. And I remember driving there and it wasn't until I got off the M25 at Epson and this just panic came over me thinking I have never seen anybody with limbs missing. Obviously, yeah. I'd maybe seen them, but I'd never been in the presence of somebody. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And I yeah. just kept questioning things that were like, you know, do I need to open the door for him? Do I help him get in? What, what do I do? And I was panicking the whole way there. Mm. And I remember pulling into the guardroom and I just saw him. He had a bright yellow Stone Island jumper, which he's still got. I'm still trying <laughs> to <get it>. and- <laughs> All those fears and worries just disappeared. And I de- and still to this day, I don't know what I was worrying about because he walked over to the car, opened the door and went, this is going to be fun. And it was just like the Josh that I'd always known. Um, I mean, he had to like prop his knees up on the
2: dashboard.
1: <laughs> and I was like, I hope when you do start driving, you have a bigger car because don't buy a Mini. It's not going to work for you. <laughs> Um, yeah, we went. We just went down to the pub and had a drink and something to eat, and nothing romantic really started for a while. Like it was just mates. It was really lovely to get to know him again for who he was. Yeah. Um, when it was, was the
0: last time you physically saw him before? Before then, so it must have been. Was it? Uh, was it still when you were at school together?
1: No, no, no. So it was probably on a night out in Windsor. Um, because we'd always be in the King and Castle in Windsor. If anyone has been yes. out in Windsor, that's where everybody starts, in the Wetherspoons. Um, and I'd always say hello to him, like we'd sort of bump into each other at the bar. Um, but I was in a relationship, he was in a relationship. So, you know, it was always just a, you right? how are you getting on? Um, so yeah, I probably saw him a couple of times before, but I can't remember the last time I saw him before he went to Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, more because it was a long time, well, 10 years ago now. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So when you went and then you know you said saw him for the first time, I did all that anxiety that you had. Did it just go away? And was it just like it was just back to normal?
1: It just disappeared, and and I don't know what I was worrying about or what. I think it was just that. Oh my god, I've never seen anybody. And actually, thinking about it now, as I drove in, there must have been six people that I drove past that were either in wheelchairs with legs missing or walking with the legs missing. You're like, okay, this is. And at Headley Court, it was just so normal. They were they were all this, yeah. you know, they were all in the same boat together. Um, but, yeah, I don't know why I was panicking. and it, I've spoken to Josh about it several times. You know, I said, I was absolutely terrified. He was like, why? I was like, well, now I know why, Josh, because I know you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it was. But it just vanished the minute he started walking to the car. And I never thought about it again, ever.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, so we're moving forward now. So you've got, obviously... You went originally, as you know, as friends. How did it kind of evolve then?
1: Um, So we, to be honest, I say our first official date, I don't think we ever had like an official date because we just, I'd go up there sort of, you know, maybe once a week or or whatever, and just we'd either go to the pub or we'd go into Epsom and um, get something to eat or, you know, just go for a drink and a chat. And I was driving home one night and... A message popped up on my phone, and I just looked over, and it was one of those like, "Okay, I don't think we're friends anymore." And um, <laughs> I left it until I got home to be, you know, being the good driver that I am, and didn't read it. More thinking, "Oh my God, what do I reply to this?" And I got home, and my mum was still up. And she said, "You look pretty happy," and I was like, "Oh yeah, just you know, just had a really nice evening." Didn't say any more, and I text, and I remember reading this text message. I can't remember what it said but I remember reading it and just replying saying oh I don't think we're just friends anymore and he said why what do you, what do you, don't you want to be friends like you took a long time to reply and I was like no what I mean is an after sort of talking to him and um, it was just that sort of transition to because we'd never gone to go to a date it was just a friendship that evolved into something a bit more and just from then on we just saw I think we only saw each other sort of once a week because he obviously was at Headley Court. You know, it was a good sort of 45 minute to an hour drive away from where I was working at the time. So if I was going after work, you know, I had to sort of plan it in advance. Um, and it was a lovely way to get to know somebody because it wasn't full on straight away. I think, you know, I've done it before I've sort of gone headfirst into a relationship and it's gone wrong and you just end up really hurt. And it was just lovely to get to know him. Um and base it off of a of a
0: good friendship. Oh, brilliant, brilliant! So, and now, I mean, you're happily married. How long have you guys been married for?
1: Uh, uh oh, now he's going to turn up. Five years, five years this year. God, normally it's me going. Josh, how long have we been married? Yeah, five years <laughs> this
0: year, this is October. Oh, brilliant! So, obviously, you went and said, um, so Josh had a previous relationship and he had a son called Jensen. Mm-hmm. What was it yep. like then meeting Jensen for the first time as well?
1: So I didn't meet Jensen for quite a while, actually. Um, I think Josh was on the same lines as me, as was Jensen's mum, that everybody wanted to know that this was the real deal, because it's a huge, huge thing to come into a, 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 t- a you know, a small child's um, life. And I think Jensen was, oh, I know he was. He was about two and a half, maybe, by the time I met him. Um, and... Was fine. We just worked our relationship around the days that Josh had um, Jensen. I mean, I was still living at home, so I'd sort of, you know, I'd you know come over and see Josh on the days that he didn't have Jensen. And it was just before his third birthday, so I'm over making him a birthday cake. And Josh said, "I tell you what, we'll do is we'll you arrive at my house so Jensen doesn't think, you know, someone's sort of coming into um, his territory as such." And we went to Wagamama's. And it was really lovely. And Jensen just, all he did was talk, talk to me. Not talk to me, talk at me, because he wouldn't let me. What's oh, this? Why is she there? Who's this? Who's that? What's your mum's name? What should dad's name? I'm like, oh my God, stopped talking? But it was lovely. And he is such a lovely kid. He really is. I mean, he's 10 now, so he likes his PlayStation more than anyone. Of course. Um, hear him upstairs screaming and shouting, and I don't, I don't know what he's doing some football game um but yeah and it was it was a big thing as well to take on a new relationship a slightly different relationship to the norm and theoretically a stepson as well but it just all kind of happened and I just took it all in my stride and just thought what will be will be we'll make it work
0: yeah yeah I think it's very um it is very hard i was um, there was an article recently published and it was about step parenting and um, oh, she right. was, and she was talking about the lack of um, positive step step parents in in media um, and she was just talking about how you know they're, they're, they're never portrayed well. Um, what kind of advice would you give to um about being a step parent um
1: the advice I would give is. Just take it day by day. Don't think, right, I'm going to be a stepmom and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do the other. You have to go at the child's pace. And I was so lucky that Johnson just welcomed me in with open arms and touch wood ever since then. We do, we have a good friendship as well, which is lovely. Like we take the dog out together and we have a chat about stuff and it's really lovely. But I would just say, don't put pressure on it. Um, because it's really hard as well with having two homes to live in because the rules that Josh and I set are very different to the rules that his mum and stepdad set and Jensen he finds that hard to kind of transition when he comes over to us to then kind of go into our rules but he just knows he knows why we do things the way we do and he knows why his mum does things the way she does so I would just say just don't don't read too much into it you know if Johnson's in a strop it's not because he hates you or hates me or doesn't love me or anything like that it's just because he's lost at Fortnite or his friend doesn't want to play with him or something like that he's just a 10 year old boy um but we've got some lovely memories together And we've had some lovely holidays with him and you know I really treasure all of those and I treasure that I got to meet him at such a young age as well because we got to I got to see him growing up you know, yeah. sort of changing into the to the boy he is now.
0: Do you think that was easier then because he was a bit younger or do you think it just would have been the same, just, just you know, just um, his personality would have just got, gone well a, with yours?
1: I think it's a bit to do with his personality. I mean, he's, it's quite a sad reason actually because obviously when Josh was first injured, you know, Jensen was, well, he was seven days old when Josh went to Afghanistan. So he was very young when okay. Josh was in hospital. So Jensen grew up in a car seat in a hospital a lot of the time mm. and he had to go to lots of different people you know for various reasons um, and with his mum working and Josh being away like he went to a childbinder so he's always been he's never been a clingy child you know he's not um, he's definitely a mummy's boy you can tell that um, but he's not he's not clingy by any means Like it's not like oh, I don't want to go there or you know, like he'll happily spend the afternoon with my mum. And I think that that gave him a good start in life. You know, he met lots of people from a very young age. But I think going into his life at such a young age was, I think that does make it easier. I would hate to think what it would be like coming into his life when he's 16. (laughs) (laughs) I think that would be a whole different ball game altogether.
0: Oh, brilliant. Oh, this is fantastic. Now, obviously, we've spoken about this next bit in detail with Alison, with David and with Josh. Um do you want to share your side or your side of the story in terms of your views on it and what happened in um in Majorca?
1: Yeah, it's probably gonna be quite interesting because people will have listened to Josh's side, David's side, and Ali's side. And I remember when Josh was in hospital once we did have a big argument about he was recalling what had happened to somebody and I was like, were you really there? He was like, I was there. I was like, I know you were, but you were completely out of it, Josh. Like I remember every day, everything. And um, it was only when I pulled up the messages, I was like, told you it happened on that date. Um, <laughs> so we, we booked it, I think it was nearly a year and a half before we actually went and um, a very good friend of ours, um, a lovely lady called Linda she suggested we all go on a cycling holiday and I remember replying going what kind of fool goes cycling (laughs) on a holiday Josh was like yeah I'm well up for this Josh loves Mallorca Josh spent and will do again I'm sure he's spent many winters out there training um he loves the he knows the island I think better than he does where we live um he absolutely loves it and we've talked many many times about you know moving out there when we're older just to have a a nicer life. I was like, yeah, not not near where it all happened. But um <laughs> yeah, so we, we went out to um Majorca. Um, there was twelve of us in total. Um, so there were six couples that went. So obviously I knew most of them. There's one couple that I didn't know before, but um they obviously knew other couples and I got to know them really well. And actually by the end of it, we were all like family because they were just so incredible. Um so we flew out to Mallorca. Um, do you know what I remember sitting there thinking this is going to be such a good week and Josh and I booked a second week because I'd had such a busy year at work he before well before the pandemic Josh spent 80 percent of the year away working anyway so we just thought you know what it's a week together it'll be really lovely and September's actually such a nice time to go to Mallorca because the weather is just it's perfect Um, so yes we flew out met the others first couple of days I was suffering from a really bad chest infection I'd had it for probably six weeks before and I was on yet more antibiotics and I'd undenied whether I would actually cycle or whether I'd hire a cup and just follow the team I said no 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 we've paid for the bikes I'll cycle and the first day was absolutely horrendous it was (laughs) the wind was just in our face the whole time even when you turned direction the wind was still in our face it was was awful (laughs) We all got to the hotel, and I went, If every day is like this, I give up now. Um, (laughs) I am not as fit as I used to be, but it was fun. And some of the, because we stayed at different hotels um, every night. So you'd do your cycle, I think the most we cycled in one day was maybe 50 miles. And you'd stay at your hotel, and the tour operator we'd booked through would bring all your bags to your hotel, which was great. Well, it was quite interesting trying to get Josh's bike in some of the rooms because the rooms were quite small. Because we, you know, we were doing it on a budget, and I mean, some nights I did think this handbike is going to be on our bed with us. He's quite <laughs> protective of his bike as well, um, and you'd sort of see people like trying to help me get it up the stairs or in a lift, or oh, it was crazy. But yeah, we had a lovely, lovely couple of days cycling, and we'd stop. One of the days was really short, and I'm sure David has mentioned this, and I'm sure Josh has mentioned this. They stayed in a bar for the best part of half a day. I mean, (laughs) it was just the worst mistake they've ever made because there were some sore heads the next day. And I remember Josh texting me saying, can you bring my legs um, to the bar? And the the hotel was only down the road. I was like, oh, you've not... He'd literally got off his bike and onto a chair. I was like, you've been (laughs) sat there for six hours. And where he'd been sat in his chair, his legs had swollen. So when he put his stubby leg on we then couldn't get it off and I've got a hilarious video of me dragging him down the road trying to get this leg off
2: and when you look <laughs> back you're like
1: oh my god like 48 hours later you then couldn't get a leg on. now like, it's yeah. just it's bonkers um anyway so the next day there were some very sore heads and it was a very slow start and to get out of that hotel was up a hill and I'd said to Ali, I said, because I don't like going uphill. I don't think anyone likes going uphill. But my oh, yeah. theory is the quicker you get to the top, the mm. quicker you can start going down. So I said, said to Ali, I'll meet you at the top. And I just pushed on and just got myself to the top. And you could hear this. Ee, ee, ee. <laughs> it was Josh coming up the road. I was like. <laughs> um, so that, that was a fun day. And then the hotel that we stayed in that night was lovely. It was probably the nicest hotel we'd had. It had a big pool. Um, and we got there really early. So we all sat on lounges and had some beers. And it was lovely. Josh found a donut rubber ring, like it was actually
2: <laughs>
1: it had like chocolate sprinkles on it. It looked like a donut. And he was bobbing around. And I looked at um, Linda's husband, Paul. I said, I think Josh has fallen asleep. And he'd fallen asleep in this rubber ring.
2: Because
1: <laughs> well, he was, they were all still quite hungover. Anyway, we there was then talk of the cycle, the, the route that we were doing the following day. And it was it was horrible. It was a horrible climb. And I'd done it the part of it the other way around when I'd been out there years before with Josh, when he conned me into cycling with him. <laughs> and I'd done the descent that we were going up. And I, I remember saying to Ali, I said, I had my hands on the brakes the whole way down on that descent. So I'm pretty sure we're going to struggle going up. And anyway, Josh was starting to get himself all of a right? I need to get out early because. He likes to get a good head start because going uphill on a handbike,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, I've never done it and I don't really want to ever do it. But that was always our thing. Like I'd always beat Josh up a hill, but he'd always beat me going down a hill. So he said, oh, I'm going to set off an hour before everybody else. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll come with you. He was like, no, 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 I'll go on my own. I was like, you are not going on your own. I know the route. I said, I know you know the route. I said, but it's going to be dark. You're pretty much sat on the floor please don't go on your own so I then agreed that I would go with him and I was like I really don't want to do this (laughs) so we walked and actually it was the last time for 16 months that I would walk next to him on big legs and we walked to the shop just to get some snacks and stuff to eat in the morning because breakfast wouldn't be ready by then and I think I picked up chocolate croissants why I don't but when you keep them in the back of your pocket, when you go to eat them, the chocolate's all melted. I mean, it's like your own microwave. It's gorgeous. Delicious. delicious. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so we bought some bits. Josh got his bike ready. And then just as I was getting into bed, um, I don't know if it was Ali or Jenny texted me to say, David and Alan have said they'll go early with Josh. I was like, brilliant. That's great. So, I mean, I would have been up early anyway, because I have to get, Josh gets on his bike. I take his legs, put them in the bag, take the bag, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So they set off and it was pitch black they all had their lights on which was good and before josh ever like before he always goes on rides i always give him a kiss and just say ride safe i don't know why i do it it's probably one of those old stupid superstitions but i've always done it um and i didn't that one and i don't know why i don't know if it was i didn't have time or he was off in a rush or what it was And I've got a video of them all setting off. And I was like, they look like the three billy Billy goats gruff. (laughs) And as I walked in, I was like, I didn't give them a kiss. And it just played on my mind all morning. Um, So me and Ali went and had some breakfast. And for some reason, everyone just wanted to go that morning. I think everyone was getting in their head, like, oh, it's a really hard climb. And Mm. they'd sort of psyched themselves out before they did it. So I was faffing around just to slow everybody down. Because I thought, I've just had another bit of toast. And I don't really fancy... Leaving that on the side of the road. So, can That's we please nice. just chill out a bit? So, I think I made up I couldn't find the key to my bike. I mean, it was in my hand the whole time. <laughs> I was like, oh, my key? And we all set up. We had a lovely, lovely morning ride. Like the, the sun was coming up. We stopped along the beachfront to have some photos and everyone was having their couple photos. I was like, cool, I'm on my tod So, me, Ali, <laughs> and Jenny had one together, which was lovely. And we sort of started as a group and we broke up a bit. But the climb was so horrendous. I mean, any pro cyclists and be like I mean that's a flat road but to me that was that was a mountain we were going up and we then managed to lose half the group how we did it I don't know they literally went round a corner and then we just couldn't catch them again and we all knew we were going to stop at the petrol station because that's where Josh David and Alan were going to meet us so oh it's fine we'll meet them up there so it was me Jenny Ali and Fiona we were just in this group and it was lovely we We were like little ducklings like we were just pottering along I was sort of tucking in where I could because by then my chest was just I was struggling to breathe um and as we got to the petrol set because I said to the girls I said look when you get to this point look for the left turn and you'll you'll see where they are and Fiona missed it and now I'm like now I know how the others missed it and I was like did you not see Alan standing in red lycra saying this way and <laughs> um, so we pulled in and Josh took one look at me he said are you all right I was like no and I burst out crying I said my chest hurts I don't feel well I just want to get to the next hotel And he was like it's fine he said we're not because Josh had said to me that we're not going to cycle on the last day because it was, ju- it was worse than this day he mm. said we will get the train from, he'd worked out how we were gonna do it. I was like, cool, this is the last day. Um, so he gave me a big hug. David went and got me some Fanta. We just sat for sort of 15 minutes and just sort of pulled ourselves together. Josh had, he'd had his apple cake, which he'd not shut up about for the past three days. <laughs> my, my, my my cafe, I know where it is. It's the best apple cake. So he was having that. And anyway, we all set off again. And then we stayed with the boys for quite a while. It was lovely. Like We'd sort of overtake Josh and then he'd he'd come past us on a bit of a downhill. Um, and we got to the top of the climb and Ali, Ali's got to uh, find my iPhone. So we just checked where they were. And I said, oh, they're half a mile behind us. I said, we'll push on because by the time we're halfway down, Josh will be at the bottom anyway, cause he'll mm. come hurtling past us with some form of abuse. <laughs> and he will be at the bar with a cold beer before we're even down. So we said, yeah, good idea. So we went off and you go to start off, there's this tunnel and it kind of comes out of nowhere. I know that sounds ridiculous, but mm. this tunnel comes out of nowhere and the lights go off. And I was like, I've got sunglasses on, I can't see. But, but we managed, we got out fine. And um, as I was going down, I just thought, where is he? Normally he's come by, and you just see his little flag waving. And we'd broken into two groups. So Jenny and Ali were slightly behind and I'd gone on with Fiona um, just because when you're going down here, you, you need to go at your own pace because... Mm you don't want to race because it is just dangerous. Yeah. And there were so many cyclists coming up the hill. I was like, why would you go up this? I've, why would you do this? <laughs> and I remember seeing this one guy and he had big curly hair. Like if anyone had seen Josh's hair in, when he was in hospital, treble that. This is what the yeah. hair was. And he had his helmet on his handlebars. And I just thought, you're an idiot. Why yeah. would you carry? And you see it a lot in Mallorca. Like people take their helmets off because it's hot. Well, I mean, you'll be hotter when you're dead because
2: yeah.
1: your head, like seriously. Um, and anyway, that really stuck in my mind. And me and Fiona got to the bottom I thought, oh, and it just, I just had this sick feeling in my tummy, like something's not right. So we sat on the wall and I was like, ah, oh, I've got a croissant in my back pocket. So I sat and ate that. And that was probably the last thing I ate for maybe three days. Oh. And we sat on the wall and Fiona said, shall we go on and meet them at the bar? Because we then worked out where everybody was. And um, I said, no, 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 I'm going to wait for Josh. Just, I just need to see his flag, even if it's right up in the distance. Mm. As soon as I see his flag, I will be fine. She was like, oh, OK, then. And then uh, Jenny and Ali got down. And Ali sort of looked at me and said, um, have you heard from the boys? I said, no, have you? She said, no. She said, I just thought we'd, we'd see Josh coming down. And I was like, yeah, I don't know where they are. And I said, there is, we had seen lots of cars going up. I said, they could just be stuck behind traffic. And it Mm. does, it happens on the mountains a lot. And we sat there and thought, oh, this is a bit, this is a bit weird. Like something's not right. And I could see Ali and Jenny starting to get a bit, and Fiona, bless her, she was so sweet. She was so reassuring. But you know, when you're in that state of Mm. panic and it's like, just, just shush. Mm. And I remember saying to her, Fiona, it's all right for you, your husband's at the bar, you know where he is. And I mean, I've apologized to her so many times for being so rude, but it was just that, just just leave me alone, I just need to sit here and quiet. And I said to Ali, I said, oh, check, find my friends, see where, see where they've gone. And um, she got it out and I looked over and I just saw this dot move and she moved away from me, she said, oh no, it's not working, my, my signal's gone. And I was like, oh, that's a bit odd. I said, check it again in Richard. said, no, it's not working. I, d- I don't know what's going on. She said, maybe they've stopped at a pub. I was like, what pub did you see? <laughs> oh, I definitely didn't see one. Um, and then, then this guy came down the mountain and it was the guy I'd seen going up that he had his helmet on this time. Mm. And I thought, either you read my mind of me going, you absolute idiot, <laughs> or you've just seen something that's made you think I'm going to put my helmet on. Mm. And I thought, I just hope it's not the latter. Um, and Fiona can speak quite a bit of Spanish. So I sent. I was like, go to that boy and ask him. Boy, that's really, he was yeah. a man. He was, he was a grown up. Um, <laughs> can you go and ask him what's happened? So he went, bless her. And you could see lots of hand actions and gestures and this and that. And she came back and she said, all I got out of him was bike crash. And I was like, oh, oh dear. Oh, that doesn't good." Yeah. And I just remember thinking, God, I hope whoever it is. And at this point, it still didn't twig that it could be Josh, I think. And I just remember thinking, oh, God, I hope whoever it is is okay. And it must have been a few moments later, I thought, oh, God, what if it is? I thought, no, there's no way it can be Josh. Josh knows what he's doing. He'll be fine. He's got David and Alan with him. And then more time went on. And then this ambulance came screaming past. And I will never, ever forget that noise of hearing it in the distance it was going and even now when i hear ambulances it takes me right back to that moment and i just thought oh god it's josh something's happened and in my mind and this sounds so morbid but because josh works away a lot um, and some of the jobs that he does they could potentially be quite dangerous um I always have it in my head. I'm like, right, if he dies, this is what I'll do. Like, we've got our will sorted. We've got life insurance. We'll be fine. I can do it. da de da da, da da And at that moment in time, I was like, I can't, I can't do it if he's dead. Like, I cannot. Like, what do I do? And then Jensen just came into my head. And I thought, oh, my God, I've got to fly home tonight. I still didn't know at this time mm-hmm. whether it was Josh or Joe Bloggs, who was also coming down the mountain. Right, like, I'll fly home tonight. I'll get Jensen. I'll tell him. There's no way I can tell him on the phone oh my God, his dad's in New Zealand, how do I tell him? Honestly, everything was just going through in my mind. I was like, I'll phone my mum. And then I was like, no, don't phone your mum because she'll then panic. She's at work, you're in Spain. She can't do anything about it. And then Ali, and then I said Ali, can you phone David and just find out? I said, I can't phone Josh because if he sees me, because it pops up on his garment, if he sees me phoning him, he'll panic that something's happened to me. So can you phone David? And these like Spanish voices came through like, oh, I was like, oh, yeah. someone's got his phone, that's weird. And then it it might have even been 30 seconds later, but to me, it felt like another hour. Um, David phoned and we all just looked at Ali and just thought, oh God, because we knew by then it was either Josh, David or Alan that had Mm. something had happened because they were knocked down off the mountain. And Ali picked up and she said, hello. And Ali's got the most positive voice I've ever had. She's so bubbly and happy and lovely. And I just saw her face drop and she walked away from me. And I looked at Jenna and I went, something's not right. And all I could do was this, okay, hmm right, okay, okay, yep, no, not a problem, all right, yep. I was like, oh God, and she turned around and my legs just buckled underneath me. I just, I remember just not being able to control my body and I saw, and I still, again, I still didn't know, but I did know. Mm-hmm. And Jenny went, oh, it's Alan, it's definitely Alan. And then Ali just held onto my shoulders. I just remember shouting, is he dead? She was like, no. I said, what? And she told me, she just said, there's been an accident. And she kept it very brief. And it later transpires that David had basically said, you need to walk away from Anna because it's Josh that's had an accident. But at this stage, she can't know the full details of what's happened. I think because it was, well, looking back on it now, it was josh was pretty much bleeding out on the mountain um and fiona ran off to get me there was a cafe around the corner she'd run off to get me some water and a chair and i just kept saying to ali you're lying to me he's dead isn't he just i can deal with it you just have to tell me she was like he's not dead and i just wouldn't until i'd seen him i just wouldn't believe her word had then got back to the guys in the bar and um then linda arrived in a taxi and I got in it and Ali just said, keep in comms, David will now be in comms with you. And I was like, why is nobody telling me what is going on? And I was sat in this in the taxi on the way to the airport and Linda, she was, she was trying to be very reassuring, but she's later told me, she was like, I genuinely thought we were going to meet a body at the hospital. And I remember looking down and I said, I've got no shoes on. Because I'd taken my cycling shoes off, because like, I'm i not clip-clopping around in those. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, I don't know where my bike is. I don't know where my helmet. She was like, you don't need to worry about that. I was like, but I have no shoes on. I had socks on. So I was like, yeah. well, worst things have happened. And we got to the hospital and we'd beaten. And she said, oh, Davis's text, they're still trying to get off the mountain because it was like a sweeping bit down. And I said, oh, we beat them here. Oh, that's good. At least we're here waiting. And this doctor in a white lab coat, I mean, it wasn't a lab coat, but I just have this yeah. vivid memory of him walking out. And he just looked at me and said, you bike crash? And I said, yes, my husband. Yes. OK. I said, is he all right? I don't know. Oh, God. And he kept coming in and out, obviously waiting for Josh to arrive. Um, we'd sort of checked in. I don't think we ever did really check in with the reception mm. there because... They kept asking for stuff. I said, like, I don't, I have nothing. I, I literally yeah. have, look at me, I have no shoes on. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and they kept asking for a passport. I was like, I don't have his passport. And I remember before we started our descent, before we sort of got a half a mile ahead of the boys, Josh said, take the passports so you can check into the hotel. And I was like, you'll be there before me, like keep oh. the passports. Thank God I left the passport with him because yeah. that was the first thing they needed. Oh. Um, so, so we're standing waiting, me and Linda just, Linda was just trying to take my mind off of it. She was amazing. And this ambulance just very calmly reversed in. And I was like, oh, they're fine. And then this man got out and I just thought it was David. They opened the doors and I could see this hair. I was like, they're, like Josh is fine. They wheeled out an old lady. I was like, that's not that, Josh. Oh, <laughs> so that, we had something to giggle about then. And then I think three more ambulances came. And Linda said, look, as long as they come in nice and calm, it will be fine. No, they came in with lights screaming and David jumped out and he came straight to me, which then made me panic thinking, Whoa, what's happened now? And I was, David was like, he's fine. They've had to give him quite a lot of sedative because he's in a lot of pain. And as David was talking to me at the corner of my eye, I could see them wheeling Josh off and they just put this black sheet over him. And well, that was it, I was, he's dead, he's like, I I didn't even get to say goodbye to him and David said, he's not dead. He's very cold because they've had to cut all of his kits off of him, but he is sedated. And Josh says it now that he heard me screaming, he's dead. He said, I could hear you. He said, as soon as I could hear your voice, he said, wasn't the nicest thing to hear you shouting, oh my God, he's dead. But I knew you were there and I knew that you were okay. Anyway, they wheeled him off and then the man in the white coat came back to me and took us to this room, which was like an Argos waiting room, but a really bad one. And there was no one in there. It was like they'd shut the hospital. I was like, "Where is everybody?" I just imagined, and I think when you're in an empty place, it's always worse than when there's people. Mm. In. Um there was one lady in there who just her phone kept beeping and beeping. And it was really like I was like, "Whoever is trying to text you, can you please reply?" Like, <laughs> um, and I remember David like thrusting Josh's phone at me. I went, will you take this phone? It doesn't shut up. Josh has notifications set up for everything. <laughs> and, um, and we were sat in this waiting room and the the white, man, the white lab coat man came back and he looked at me and just said, he break here and here. And he pointed to his sort of hip mm. and then the middle of his femur. And I looked at David and David went, no, 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 no. That's, that's what I expected. So I phoned... David was like, right, you've got to start. So Josh was then wheeled off. He had to go and have emergency surgery basically to just salvage what I'm guessing Mm. was left. And David said, you've got to start making phone calls. And I'd sort of gone into this, like I needed people to tell me what to do. Mm. I just needed a job. Um, Ali and Jenny were getting me some clothes and my wash stuff, because to be honest, I didn't know how long I was gonna be there. I don't think anybody knew how long I'd be there. So they'd gone and gone to get me some stuff and Linda was still with me and David was walking around in his cycling shoes bib shorts and a heart rate monitor yes. and it was just I was like David why do you still have your heart rate monitor on he's like well where do you want me to put it I was like you just look a bit weak and <laughs> um, so we were just trying to make light of anything really and David's phone was drained his battery was going and they had these charging points so David was always over there trying to charge his phone so that he had one charged and I phoned our insurance um, and sort of went through the you know the bits and bobs with them. And they said, you know, have you got Josh's Nash insurance? And mm. Josh saves everything on his iCloud. So everything was on Genius. his phone that I needed. Like he has his faults, but he's very organized and that sort of, sort of thing. So um, I managed to have everything that I needed. And when they said, "Right, we just need to know what's happened. And I said, I don't, I don't know what's happened. Nobody has told me. David, bless him, took the phone and just kind of, Gave a rundown, and I was sort of sat there looking at him, thinking, "Oh my God, this this is what's happened." And th- that's how I learned. And when he came off, and said, "David, I need to know now what's happened." And he told me. And Josh had collided. Josh had had a blowout on a corner, all the neck on a handbiker on the front wheel, and he then had no brakes, no nothing, and he just had to sit there and take his fate. And when David said that, I just thought, "You poor sod!" Like he mm-hmm. just had to literally tuck in and think. Whatever happens is going to happen now. And he hit, I think he, said he hit the side of the lorry, shunted down the side. And then the wheel and his left leg took the impact. Oh, my God, which then I think flipped him into a ditch. And David said to me, he said, Anna, I honestly thought he's dead. That's mm. it, he said. And it was when he sat up, I thought, how? How have you just survived this? Um. And I, yeah, think...
0: I, I remember David telling us this as well. I think he, when he recounted Josh's story, he was mm. also, I remember him saying that he was just examining Josh again and again and again because he couldn't. Yeah. He was, he couldn't figure out how he, he kept on thinking he was missing something. He was so confident yeah, he was, he was, he was missing something.
1: Yeah, he said that to me. And when, again, lots of cyclists do this. You put your sunglasses in the top of your helmet when you don't, mm. you know, when it's when mm. you're going through tunnels like I should have done. And Josh always has his in the top, and David said his his glasses were still in the top of his helmet. I was like, how did he not hit his head? Josh has learnt how to crash by the sounds of it. Like he's <laughs> crashed several times on his bike, um, and I just thought, oh my god. And as the months have gone on, David has told me more and sort of said, you know, half of Josh's leg was just. Blatted across the tarmac and um, where were we so yeah so we're, we're sat in this Argos waiting room so I have phoned the insurance they knew and I thought right well, I've got to phone his surgeon mm. she can come out she'll make it all better everything will be fine and Josh's surgeon is just I mean I consider her a, a family friend like she is just amazing and I text her actually I texted off of Josh's phone because I didn't have So she works with her partner, so it's uh, Alex Crick and Rod Dunn, and they are just the world's best plastic surgeons. And I have Rod's and not Alex's for some reason. So I thought, well, rather than phone her on a number she doesn't know, I'll text off Josh's phone saying, hi, Alex, it's Anna. Can you give me a quick call when you get a minute? I think I even wrote, nothing urgent, just need to run something (laughs)
2: fast. She phoned (laughs) me and
1: she said, you're in Mallorca, right?" Because Josh had obviously told her we were going away. Um, And I said, yeah. She said, what's happened? I said, um... Josh has had a bit of a crash and I need, I need you to fix things. And David, by this point, I think took the phone off me again and sort of explained to Alex what had happened. And she then came back on the phone to me and she just said, he's gonna be all right. Like we know Josh, we just need to get him home. Mm. And that kind of stuck with me the whole time. Like, I just need to get him home. He's got to get home. And she just said, Look, is there anything you need me to do? Do you need me to, to phone anybody? And I said, no, no, no. I said, I just don't want anybody to know at the moment because I don't know. I've got no idea what's happening. And she said, I'll get Dave Henson to phone you. And Dave is a fellow double amputee, also a Paralympian. um, And he's a very good friend of ours as well. And I I said, OK, thinking, well, what will Dave do? But you know what? It was so lovely to have a a voice that I knew and trusted and knew that Dave will make it OK. And he just said, what's happened? And I just sort of said, Josh had a big crash. He's broken his leg in multiple places. We don't really know what's happening. He's in surgery now. Um, And he was like, right, just keep me posted. And it was, we just had this really small group of people that knew what was happening. Linda had let the group know, please don't put anything on Facebook. Don't tell anybody. Just we need to, you know, because obviously Josh's family need to know first. So I I then sat next to this bag for the best part of five minutes. And Linda said, are you going to go and get changed? Well, how do I do that? She was like, right, there's a bathroom down there, go and get changed. And it was like I'd gone into like almost a child's state. Like, I just had to be told, right, go and get changed, then phone this person. And I came back out and I said, what do I do if my phone rings? <laughs> Linda said, it's a mobile, you can take it with you. I said, can you hold it? And I, I was just scared of news. I was scared of anybody telling me anything at this stage. Um, and I got changed, came back out. David was still in his wrestling gear. Um, yeah. walking around with a heart rate monitor on and <laughs> we tried to work out I'd been given this number and I've still got the piece of paper upstairs with Josh's number on and they said keep an eye on the board but we couldn't work out what the board meant some were white some were green and some were red and I was like is that dead alive not quite with it like what what do these colours mean Linda I don't think Linda ever worked out what they meant um, but we could see Josh's number it had gone red green and white several times and we're like we'll just wait Um, and then the man came back I was like oh Jesus and he came in he said you you come with me and I was like guys you're all coming with me like I'm not doing this on my own and we went to what we were heading towards the intensive care unit oh god well at least he's alive if he's in an intensive care like we're not going to the you know Mm. morgue um and he took he said come in this room, and this room was tiny. I could see a desk and a computer in there and two chairs, and there was a door the other side as well, and I thought, we're not coming out the way we're going in, and I just it just felt awful. I, was, I just said to Linda, I don't want to go in there i don't I don't want to know mm-hmm. because in my head, I just kept thinking they will have amputated his whole leg. they will have taken it off at the hip, he'll have no leg. what will he do? How will he walk? I'm my like, Josh can't be in a wheelchair he you know. Josh is not somebody who sits around and does nothing. And it just was all I was like, David, what if they've done it? David said, Look, we don't know. And David's very good at being the sort of matter-of-fact person, look, we don't know anything, so let's not panic just yet. Mm-hmm. Um and I sat down and there was a translator, and turns out it was the orthopaedic surgeon. And um I just looked at the translator and I said, Is he dead? And she in one tone spoke and said, he's alive. And I was like, that's all I need to know. And I just sobbed into Linda's shoulder. I just uncontrollably sobbed that we've still got him. David then took in all the medical jargon for me. And he, I just remember him saying, can I take a photo? What on earth is he taking a photo of? And I wouldn't look at it for, I think I saw it after about four days. And it was the MRI of his leg and how he'd shattered basically half of his femur was just like stardust and he'd snapped his neck of femur. And they basically, what they'd done is they'd patched up the end of it, flapped it all together. um, And they were going to, they had to pin his hip together. Mm. But because of how much trauma kind of happened in his body, he needed to, um, he needed to get stronger perform more surgery. So they said, what we're going to do is we're going to keep him maybe two days and then we'll pin his neck of femur back together, but they said, there is the risk that the blood flow has stopped and I was like yeah honestly I've learned so much about the human body I was like you have blood in your bones this is just mind-blowing and they said because of it was holding on by like 0.02 of a mil or something like that and when I later saw the x-ray I just thought okay yeah I can see why they were quite worried about him moving and I said can I see him I just need to see him they said you can yeah of course you can come see him they took us down, and their visiting hours are incredibly strict. And it's like half an hour in the morning, half an hour at lunchtime, half an hour in the evening. And when you're there, you realize like there are some very, very poorly people. Yeah. And they walked us past like, I don't know, several different bays. I was like, where on earth is he? He was on the bike crash ward. Like, they all of them were either in body braces or there were some people on life support, which you just think, oh my God, Josh was the wellest person on this ward. And he just, you could see his eyes, because like, it was all glass screens, you could see his eyes clock on me and just follow as I walked in. And he had a tube in his mouth that like he couldn't talk or anything. And he was just filthy. I thought they've not even cleaned him. Like his, he had dried blood all over him. He had dirt on him. He had bike grease on him. I just thought, you poor sod. Like just, for so them, he was just, he was a patient that needed fixing yeah. and sending home. Um. And I just flung my arms around him and just sobbed. And he, you you, he, you could tell that Josh was scared. Like I've never seen him scared, but he looked terrified. And the doctor literally pulled me off and went, no, 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 he can't move. And their worry was, was that if he moved his hip, not that he could move his leg at all, but if he wriggled or there was too much sort of force, it may knock the, the remaining bit of bone that was holding together, like, oh, okay. Um, and he kept signalling me for his phone. I was like, Josh, you, you can't, Our phone everybody, it's fine. He was like, give me, like, signalling to give me the phone. I was like, what on earth does he want this phone for? So I gave it to him, and he opened the note. He wanted to talk to me, but the only way he oh. could talk was using notes. And I've still got the notes that he wrote. Some of them don't really make sense. The third one down was, how's my bike? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was just things like, you know, I thought I'd never see you and Jensen again. Like, some of them just... Oh. I just read them and cry because you just think, God, that's that's what he was thinking at the time. Um, and about four minutes later, they told me I had to go because visiting time was over. Mm-hmm. And Linda said, look, can she just stay with him? And they said, no, he's very sick. She has to go. And yeah. there were a couple of English speaking doctors. Um, and one of them just said to me, just keep your phone on, don't turn it off. And if someone tells you that, you just think, oh my God, like, oh, I think I had about four four hours sleep that night, if, yeah. if that, I think. I was so tired and I just, I think I passed out in the end. But we went back to the hotel to meet the others and obviously they were just desperate to know how he was. And I just remember cuddling or just flinging my arms around Alan and just thanking him for, because between him and David, they saved Josh's life. Yeah. If it wasn't for their quick thinking and their military knowledge, you know, they both served to know what to do when there's a casualty. Josh did help himself because of the work that he does. Um, he does a lot of stuff with medics so he you know he was sort of quite clued up on tourniquets and stuff mm. like that you know and David I did say to David how did you stop the bleeding he said my bath rugby shirt <laughs> which he's never let Josh have done which we've now got framed and <laughs> it is huh. a bridge. it's just a constant reminder that it's still covered in his blood and David got the bath rugby team to sign it and um, yeah it's just a constant reminder that Do you know what? You will get out the other side of this, and I think we. The, I know this will probably go on and not like I don't know if we've got time for this, but just trying to get him home was the biggest stress, and it was just horrendous. And he just got more and more poorly. So three days after the accident, they did do the operation to pin his hip back together. Um, And I always like to know, like, what they're going to do. Like, I I do it to Alex Crick as well. I'm like, what are you going to do? Like, talk me through how it's going to work. I think once I've got it in my mind, I then understand how how everything's going to happen. And they said, well, we'll pull down on his foot. I was like, right, I'll stop you there. We haven't got any feet. How are you going to pull that leg down? So they put a pin through the remaining femur and they, to get traction, to pull it down, to get the bolt in. And Mm. that morning that Josh went off for surgery, He looked terrified and he said to me, he said, if I don't come back, I said, you will come back. I know you will come back. And I do, I think I probably thought to myself, well, you might, you might not. Mm. But I mean, you could walk out your front door and never come home again. Like, let's not, let's not think about that. And he said to me afterwards, he said, when I went into that theatre, I was terrified. Josh loves being put under anaesthetic. He's quite (laughs) in that way. But he said, I've never not wanted to be put under anaesthetic more in my life. He said there were bolts and chains and everything, because obviously this is where they do. It was an orthopedic Mm. theatre. But they managed to get the pin in. I got some photos. They were very reluctant to let me take photos of things. But I got some photos, sent them back to his surgeon. And she said, look, it's done now. We just need to get him home. I mean, I think she was fully prepared to, like, take the pin out and reposition it. Because when you do look at, I mean, I cannot fault them for saving Mm -hmm. his leg but there is, his hip's not quite aligned. I mean, it clearly still works because he's walking about again now, but um, I think Alex was sort of prepared to just basically undo everything and do it her way. And I think we were on ICU for maybe four days and this lovely doctor who I just fell in love with, he came in, great big guy, threw his arms out, went, you can go home. I was like, this is <laughs> amazing. This is just what I've needed to, because all the others had gone home by this point. Um, David, blessed had booked for Ali to stay on a couple of days just so I wasn't completely on my own. Um, and I said to Ali, I texted her, I said, like, Ali, we're coming home. Like they said, we can go. This is great. And I remember thinking, oh my God, we're going to beat you home now. I'm going to leave you out here on your own. Oh my like, God, <laughs> what am I going to do? Um, and he said, just give me your flight details and we'll we'll get you to the airport. I, was like, I don't think we're flying home the way,
2: yeah. like
1: Josh couldn't sit up. He was still wired up to so mm. many things. And I said, no, our insurance have said we'll be flying home on a, on a flatbed, or Josh will at least. Um, and he said, oh, okay, no worries. And then we got moved to this orange ward. It was just bright orange. And I just thought this is like the departure lounge. Like maybe we'll just get put in here until, until the plane comes here. Like this is, I had no idea what was happening. And we got there and Ali went home, Ali went home the following night. So Josh had one night there on his own. Mm. And then, following night, Ali went home and we were still there. And Josh said to me, he said, Can you stay with me tonight? And I said, Of yeah, course I can. He said, I just don't want to be here on my own. Like, I don't, no one spoke English on this ward. Mm. Um, the food was just, oh, something uh... else. I know hospital food isn't great and beggars can't be choosers, but when you're served egg soup, like chopped oh. up egg soup, mm, yeah, it's <laughs> not the best. Um, and I, I said, of course course I'll stay with you. So I slept kind of crooked in this chair and then the doctor came in in the morning and went, you do know this flattens, don't you? I was like, yeah. (laughs)
2: Um,
1: And I just, I was on the phone to the insurance every other minute, just what's happening now. And there was just, there was a lack of communication between the hospital and the insurance. And this is why Josh didn't come home, didn't get home in time really. Um, and by the time we did get him home, it took for his surgeon to phone the insurance and basically say, if you don't get him home in the next 24 hours, you will be bringing a body home. Because I'd sent her what I'd managed to get of a photo at the end of his leg with black stuff coming out of it.
0: Yes, I think Josh mentioned I, this. It was, yeah.
1: She said she didn't want to worry me while we were out there, but she said, I knew by then he had sepsis.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, well, she said, I didn't know he had sepsis, but the wound was septic. Um, And she said, I just needed to get you home. And she said, I just tried to keep as calm as I could because I knew you were scared. I was on my own. And, um, yeah, we finally got home. That was an eventful flight home because the paramedics, so it was a German crew. Mm. They flew them to Mallorca to pick us up. Then they flew to Southampton to drop us off. And then they were flying back. Um, And they were just so lovely. And it was lovely to see just new faces, people who spoke English, people who were there to do what we wanted. I understand the nurses were there to do what we wanted as well, which was keep Josh alive. But by this point, I didn't want to see the nurses anymore. So I just want to go home. And um, I had no stuff with me by this point because the insurance had told me to send my stuff home because they said, if we can get you on the Medivac with Josh, we will, but you can have no more than a day sack. So I literally had two sets of clothes and the, the hotel were brilliant. Because there was no room at the hotel either, I was changing room every day. In the morning, I'd go down and give them my bag, and when I came back in the evening, they would give me a key card, a plate of food, because I'd always miss the restaurant closing. Oh. They'd give me some food and my clean washing because they were washing my clothes every day for me. Because I had nothing, I literally had two sets of clothes and a toothbrush. I think.
0: That's so lovely.
1: Um, they they were amazing. I I sent them such a long email. Just Maria at the hotel was just. Well, I think once she knew what was happening, mm. um, and that was all down to Linda and Ali and Jenny sorting that out for me. Just the, the insurance were paying for it, but I was like, I can't get a block room. Like yeah. I said, this is what you, you know. I was saying to the insurance, that like, I have nowhere to stay now. Um, but anyway, yeah. So we we finally got back home, landed in Southampton. To Josh's disappointment because he's a Portsmouth fan. He's like, get me out. And from Southampton to Salisbury Hospital, I think it took us 20 minutes.
0: Okay. Um, Yeah.
1: And I remember them saying to the German paramedic crew, do you need, like, how quickly do we need to get there? And they said, as quick as possible, because they obviously had seen the state of Josh's leg. Like, the hospital had bandaged it as well they could. But by this point, you know, from a flight and transfer and things like that, You could see the black stuff coming out by now. Yeah, And they turned the sirens on and I just put my head in my hands. And Josh looked at me and I said, I've not heard sirens since the day you came into the hospital. And it just, I think it was just that relief of we're home, we're safe. And I knew that whatever happened now, I had everybody I needed and I had, you know, I was home. I wasn't going to be stranded in a foreign country trying to get my husband's body home or anything like that. Um, And we got to Salisbury Hospital and Alex Crick was there and Carol Betteridge, who is, she runs Alex's um, War Clinics. And I walked in and Carol said, you look like a Sherpa. I was like, thank you very much. (laughs) Really nice. Because I had my bag on, Josh's bag on. I don't think I'd brushed my hair for four days. I dread to think what I looked like. (laughs) Um, And she just had this massive mug of tea. I was like, oh, that is just what I need. So Josh was sort of triaged there and they sort of looked into you know what what had happened and it was all it was all just so chaotic and then we got him into his room on the ward and alex said to me she said i'm going to operate tomorrow um i need to get in there quick and it was alex's weekend off and this is why the woman just i mean she is so incredible gave up her weekend off to come and look after josh um and it, David brought us in a McDonald's because he said, what does Josh want to eat? And I said, boy, what do you want? And he said, oh, I'll have a McDonald's. I was like, okay. So David went and got one. I think he ate a nugget and a chip. And you could see just his face was gray and he just looked so ill. And then Jensen phoned me and was like, mum said I can come and see dad. When shall I come? I was like, whoa, what is going? So Josh had obviously texted Jensen's mum to say I'm back, which she then translated into "Josh is home and everything's great. I was like, yeah. No one has any idea. Like I'd obviously mentioned to family while we were out there, you know, just what had happened. And I was like, Jensen, just let me get the next few days out of the way. And I'll, you know, as soon as I can bring you to Mm -hmm. see dad, you know, I will. Um, And Alex operated the following day. I think he went down about eight o'clock and she'd said to me, go home. Because I still had, well, by this point I had all my suitcases had been at Ali and David's. Um, and we live an hour away from Salisbury Hospital we used to live just down the road which would have been very convenient
2: very convenient (laughs) I mean I just took
1: up residency in half half the time I was at Linda's house and half the time I was at Ali's house and I took all my stuff home I got a wash on and I'm one of these people as soon as I get home from any holiday I have to unpack I can't stand suitcases lying around so I unpacked got a wash on my mum came round, and my dad my brother and my sister-in-law Mum was like, where were all your cases? I was like, they're in the garage, I've, I've sorted them like I can't. And I think because of what had happened, I just needed to wash everything away. I didn't want anything around me. Um and she was like, you need to eat something. I was like, oh, I'm not hungry. Like, because I knew Josh was in theatre. Like, I just until I know he's out, I'm one of those people that I can't eat if I'm anxious or worried, um, which is probably a good thing, because I think otherwise I'd be a lot bigger than I am after <laughs> of hospital worry. Um and it got to mum left here about 12, and Josh should have been at a theatre by then. And I was like, I can't sit at home, I know I'm going back up there, but I'll just head back to the hospital. So I must have got there about half past one, mm. quarter to two. And I had Josh's wheelchair that I brought up for him and his stuff. Like, he'd given me a list of what he wanted because we knew he'd be in for I honestly thought 10 days, I genuinely thought that's how long we would be in there. Mm. So I brought enough stuff you know, a couple of t shirts, things like that, DVD, uh, iPad, and things. Mm. And... I went back to his room, and as I was walking down the corridor, the nurse looked at me and said, "Does nobody phoned you?" I was like, "About what? What now has happened?" Like, honestly, and I just cried again. I said, "I can't take this. Like, what's happened now?" He said, "No, no, no, no. It's fine. It's just he's still in theatre, but he's going straight to ICU." I was like, "Again? Like, seriously?" Oh. So they said, "Just go and wait in the relative's room, and we'll find out what's happening. We'll come and tell you." So I sat in there, and there was a family in there laughing and joking. You know, and you just think, I just yeah. don't. So I think I stood in the corridor because I just didn't want to listen to anybody. And then Alex phoned me and said, um, Josh is just out of theatre. By this point, I think it was three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and I said, Oh, I'm I'm in the corridor by the ICU ward. Said, Oh no, I'll come and get you then. So she came and got me, and we sat down. And she's so great at explaining things, and so calm. And when she said he had sepsis. I just said, well, how bad is that? And she said, Anna, he's incredibly poorly at the moment. Like, we're very lucky. To analyse the whole thing, Josh died in theatre. Um, he lost way too much blood. His body was fighting to stay with them. She had a team that were keeping Josh alive while she was trying to salvage what was left of his leg. Um, she had to cut loads away. He de the side of his leg so she could actually put her hand in the bottom... On the end of his stump, so in the wound, and out the hip, oh. um, there were staples that had been left in there. They, the Spanish, had patched him up to send him home. That's yeah. that's all they'd done. They they hadn't done anything wrong as such, but they hadn't patched him up for longevity. They'd patched him up to yeah. go home, and your doctors going to sort you out. So she'd had to do all of that. Um, and I said, "Can I see him?" She said, "You can, but it's going to look scary because he was in a he was in an induced coma." And I said, how long will he be like that? And she said, I just don't know. Like at the moment, his body doesn't want to stay here. So we're going to make sure it does. Um, and I just sat by by his side and just held his hand and the nurses were great. And they just kept saying, Josh, it's Anna. Mm. It's your wife. She's here. You know, squeeze her hand And I could feel a tiny bit, but I don't know if that was just me hoping that it was um, mm. him and, yeah, so I sat, I sat next to Josh and just kept holding his hands and talking to him. And I felt a bit silly at first. I was like, he can't hear me. Mm. He doesn't know. He doesn't know why I'm here. And Josh said, I did know you were there. I could hear oh. every word you were saying. Um, and they were just sort of putting drugs in him and bleeping things and pressing buttons. And I was like, I don't know what you lot are doing, but he's still alive. So this mm. must be good. Um, And Alex was still pottering around and sort of kept popping in just to see how he was. Um, And then Josh kept trying to pull his tubes out under full sedation, which apparently you can't do. But he was starting to get quite agitated. And they said this can happen when the body starts to want to, because his breathing machine was helping him. But he was breathing on his own by this point. And they said this is what can happen is sometimes your body will start to wake up a bit. So she said, what we'll do is we'll start waking him up and just see what happens. So they, they literally pressed the button, which must have produced something. And he sat up, went to pull his tubes and got in such a state that they pressed another button to give him more sedation. And he was gone again. And they just said, he's not he's not ready. I was like, oh, I don't oh. know if I'm ready. They're like, what is happening? <laughs> um, but they, they managed to bring him around that night, which was lovely. So he wasn't mm-hmm. in a coma overnight. Um, but when they did bring him around, he asked me, um, what I was doing there and why Mickey Yule wasn't with him. I said, so Mickey Yule, is, um, he was actually a squadron for Josh as well, but Mickey lost his legs in Afghan too. And I said, what? why are you with Mickey? Like, what? we've been at the rugby all day.
0: Yeah. like, right,
1: OK. <laughs> I said, well, if, that's, if that's where you've been, that's probably better than where you have been. And I said, no, Mickey, let's keep explaining to Mickey's not here. You know, you're in hospital, but you're fine. Alex is here. She's looking after you. And they just couldn't get him settled that night. He was in so much pain. And I think I must have stayed at the hospital till maybe midnight because I just didn't want to leave him while he was screaming in pain. I've never heard him scream in pain like that. And they got him settled. And I went back, I went back to Ali's actually and slept. And I, was, I remember Ali texting me in the morning saying, do you want any breakfast? I said, oh, no, I'm at the hospital. She said, I didn't even hear you get up. Well, I couldn't sleep. So I thought I might as yeah. well. And on the ICU wards, they were so so kind and they would always let you just come in if you mm. needed to and I just sat in there with him he had no idea I was there half mm. the time but I knew where I was yeah. and I was a lot happier so he spent a week in ICU and then we went on to the ward where we spent a further eight and a half weeks I think it was so he was so He had to have I think by the end of it he had something like 12 surgeries 21 blood transfusions just to keep him here today wow. which is just it's, it's a credit to our NHS. Like, yeah. I know what they're fighting right now is on a much bigger scale and, you know, Josh's accent was a drop in the ocean to this but I cannot thank them enough for what they did and I, I can't thank the Spanish team enough for, for saving him, you know. If Josh had been on his own he would have bled out on the tarmac. Yeah. If I'd been there with him I would have panicked. Would I have crashed as well panicking at what I was seeing? I just everybody and everything was in the right place at the right time I know we had that huge delay in getting home which did extend our stay at mm. Salisbury Hospital but everybody did what they had to do yeah. people got bikes home I still don't know where my bike went I don't know how it got from A to B. <laughs> I, I don't know how my shoes made it home I don't you know it just they were just a great bunch of people to be with and it has made us uh, David Alley Linda Paul and Jenny and Alan just such a close group of friends and yeah. friends that I will treasure for the rest of my life yeah. because you know they've seen things and witnessed things that you know and they've stuck around they are very very special people
0: mm. well uh, that was amazing how is everything now I know I'm so sorry you've just been having to talk I've just barely said anything
1: I know no, um, it's fine I feel that I just talk no That's no, why no. I my blog because I thought Let me brain dump because when people ask me the story, I'm like, like, here we go again. This isn't, that's not a dig at you at all. No, 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 not at all, no. (laughs) But 16 months ago when I was sort of telling it every single day and in the end, I was just doing my Facebook updates. I was like, the easiest way is just to tell people en masse, Josh is ill, he's still alive. Please don't phone him, phone me. They'd still phone him. Um, Things now. So getting him home was terrifying because... When we lived in Wiltshire, we had so we'd done up an old cottage and we had a lift in there and it was perfect for Josh. Oh, wow. And then then we sold it and we moved back nearer. To, we wanted to be nearer to um, to family. We wanted to be to, mm. nearer to Jensen and things like that. And we just bought a new build. We thought, Do you know what? It's done. It's lovely. We love our house, but it's not set up for somebody who can't walk up the stairs. Or even the big thing Alex didn't want him doing was. Because Josh was like, oh, I'll just bum up the stairs. She was like, you cannot bum up the stairs because your hip is still mending. Like, let's remember you broke that as well. Um, and he is scared of his surgeon, which is a great thing because he <laughs> to, to her. So between me and Carol Betteridge, um, we got a stair lift installed, which Josh had no idea that we were having done because he would have, I'm not having that. I'm not 80 years old. I mean, your hip is about 80 years old now. so. <laughs> So we had a um, stair lift installed and Josh was just desperate. After 10 weeks in hospital, he was desperate to get out. I was desperate to get out. Uh, my work were just incredible. And it just said, just come back when you need to. Uh, you know, I cannot thank them enough for just being so understanding considering I work for an RAF charity in Josh's army. So they could have gone, nope, his army, we won't. We <laughs> but they were, they were amazing. And I remember our CEO saying to me, look, we." We can't help josh but we can help you and that will help both of you in turn um so alex had made this agreement with josh that he could leave hospital but until the stair lift was installed um he had to we had to stay in a hotel and there's a premier in the other side of the motorway so we would come home during the day and josh would sit on the sofa and watch telly and it was just nice being home And then at night, we'd go to this hotel. What they thought we were doing, I don't know, because we'd like, I'd just turn up in my pajamas. I'm like, I'm not bringing an overnight bag because I'm going back in the morning. And we would literally go to this hotel to sleep. And I remember the first night that we stayed there and it was the night Josh's leg had decided that it wanted to leak everywhere. And because he had so many wounds, he had the ones where the pin had gone through to pull his leg down. He obviously had his hip wound, the end of his leg. And we woke up in the morning and there was just, honestly, I was like, oh my God. So I took all the sheets from the room to wash them at home. And Josh was like, can we not leave? I was like, I cannot leave these yeah. for the hotel to find in the morning. So I took them all home and washed them and then took them back the following day. But it was, it was terrifying that first night because I just thought, right, this is all on me now. Like yeah. I've got to, because I was having to help him in the shower because of he'd had his skin graft. I had to scrub the graft site every night until it bled, which was helping the new skin come through. But Josh would be sat like gripping onto the handrails in the shower while I'm scrubbing his leg. I'm like, this is just not what, we're still, I know we've been married four years, but we're still newlyweds at the end of the day. Um, and I was like, "Is this is this what married life is? <laughs> Why don't you your lady till it believe? But we got through, and I now class myself as like a trauma nurse. You know, I can I can patch I up I
2: um,
1: But we left hospital with just bagfuls of stuff, and I was like, "We've got way too much." We used every single swab, gauze, plaster that they gave us, um, and there was just a lot of to and fro in. But We got there and he's lived to tell the tale. We've both lived to tell the tale. And 16 months later, he is finally back up on his big legs, which was just incredible. To see him come through the front door, what was it, three weeks ago now, on these big legs. And he smiled at me. And I just thought, he's back. That's Josh. He's been incredible throughout the whole thing. And I, I did think, when it first happened, I just thought this will be the end of us. Like he'll be miserable in a wheelchair. He's not gonna want to do anything. It's just gonna tear us apart. I, I think I just feared the worst. Yeah. And, you know, I know what he's like when he's had to spend a week in a wheelchair, let alone potentially the rest of his life. Like we just didn't know if he would walk again. So, you know, it was just utterly terrifying, but to see him walk through the door on those big legs with this smile, I was like, there he is, he's uh-huh. back. So now we have legs and stubbies and everything kicking around the house again but do you know what I wouldn't have it any other way because that's our life it's just chaotic and that just is us
0: that's absolutely fantastic it's absolutely brilliant and thank you so much I know like you said you must have had to tell this story a hundred times and thank oh. you thank you so much I think that's kind of what you've just said that has led into my next question which is what we ask everyone who comes on the podcast and it's what does family mean to you
1: Oh, it just means everything, and that's probably the cheesiest, cringiest thing. And everyone must just say the same. But when when we're all home, and the first lockdown, it just really made me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. That it was me, Josh, and Jensen. We've got ourselves a dog as well, which they bullied me into. And I just love it when we're all at home, or we're all sitting down to have something to eat, or even if we're sat on the sofa and Jensen's watching a film. Josh is reading Sky Sports News and I'm just out there thinking I don't even want to watch this film but we're all there together it's lovely and we've had so many years of it being just me and Jensen or me and Josh you know when Josh is away it's just me and Jensen at home so it's just nice when we're all together I just l- treasure the moments that the three of us are here well four now including the dog oh. he gets left
0: now. <laughs> 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 oh absolutely fantastic Anna this has been absolutely brilliant I've just you know this has been so interesting and you've explained it all and it's also it's also nice to finally hear your side of the story after hearing David Josh and Anna. <laughs> I've heard yeah it was interesting
1: d- listening to theirs because I obviously don't me and Josh have talked about it endless times but to hear him talk about I think it's when he said and I don't want to be like, look at me, I'm amazing. But it was when he said, if it wasn't for Anna, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, and it just makes I... me think back to like, I dread to think what my phone bill was. Yeah. I remember at one point I get a message from me and you are like 250% over your data limit. I was <laughs> like, hm, I know, like home's <laughs> hot where I was using it so much. Um, But it was, it was lovely to hear Ali's as well, because we went through so much together. And at one point we didn't know whether I would be the one consoling her or vice versa. And she is just such a special lady. I mean, her, Jenny and Linda are just such special people. Um, And as I said before, I will treasure them for the rest of my life.
0: Oh, absolutely brilliant. So one final question I want to ask, and it's it's a new one. And I've kind of... um, I just (laughs) want to know what... And obviously you can't include Mallorca for anything, but it's what was your favourite holiday... (laughs) What was your favourite holiday? Oh, what was your favourite favorite family holiday?
1: Um, so we were really lucky and we got to take Jensen to New York when so me and Josh were engaged at the time. So it would have been end of 2015, Christmas time. And just seeing his little face light up in this big city was just... And me and Josh go to New York quite a lot. It's our sort of go-to place. We know where everything is. We know, it, it is like miorca to us. It's, we know Josh can get about, we know where we stay, we know where the good places to eat are. And we were so excited to take him and we'd like saved up all our air miles and treated him on the flight. And he just, he was like Kevin McAllister with his parents in town. <laughs> um, He just loved it. And the toy shops, it was just such a special moment because we landed back on Christmas Eve and he went to his mum's for Christmas, but it was just so special to have like a little Christmas getaway with him. So that's got very, very special memories to me.
2: Oh,
0: I mean Judson's
1: planned about twenty twenty more holidays. I'm like, dude, we're not even allowed like five miles down the road at the moment. <laughs> Man, any holidays just yet.
0: Oh, you've got all those to go and look forward to though. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well I mean again, Anna, thank you so much for today. This has been absolutely fantastic. A really interesting podcast. Really interesting to hear your story and, you know, um you're a great public speaker as well that was brilliant um oh, yeah. well no you actually got into incredible detail which has been what's so brilliant and like I said it was really interesting hearing you know your side of it and let me think of you know where I mean I was thinking when you were talking about how David was talking to you I think Josh referred him to going full colonel and he did yeah yeah I think I actually called
1: him colonel yes colonel <laughs> it's just I just remember this, I've got the photo of David standing in this Argos waiting room in his wrestling kit with his heart rate monitor. He turned around I went, I went yes sir. He went, Anna, I was like, sorry, like I don't, because he was giving me my orders, which was, and to be honest, Josh needed that on the mountain, because I think if David had gone into sort of friend mode, it would have, David had to like sort of tell Josh a few times, like, right, just shut up and let me sort this out. Because Josh likes to do things himself, like trying to dress his wound I feel sorry for the nurses at Salisbury Hospital because he was telling them how to do. I was like, they've gone to university. <laughs> just shut up. Um, and David did say to me a few times, like, you know, I had to tell him to shut up. I was like, well, that's <laughs> that's fine. Like he needs that sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he did go full full kernel on him. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I've listening to all. You know, how did you how did you cope with it? What are, you, are your coping mechanisms now? I just. Kind of, you know you've you because obviously that's an that's an incredible traumatic experience to um to go through, and everyone kind of deals with it with it differently um yeah, how did you kind of we what, what was what was your kind of game plan day by day minute by minute, or to be honest, I don't know yeah.
1: I don't know looking back now and I think if I had to tell myself that's what I was going to go through, I would have just crumbled. Yeah. I don't know how. I got from being told Josh has been in a in a serious RTA to where he is now and there were days when I thought can I do this can can we do this like is this just is this really happening and you know me and Josh have been through you know even in early stages in our relationship you know I used to get people saying you know why why do you why are you even interested in a triple amputee it's like because he's still a person like it's not might have a few limbs missing, but he's still, he's still him. Mm. And I remember saying that to myself, like, he's still him. Like, it's still Josh. And I think that is what got us through, was that we do, it's so cheesy, but mm. he is my best friend, and I do yeah. tell him probably too much stuff sometimes, but yeah. we just get through stuff. And, you know, he's, he's really opened up to me the last couple of years about his worries, that like, he was so worried that he would never walk again. And I remember mm. him saying, oh, what if I can't? I was like, well, we'll deal with that when we get to it. And I think I just took every, I did take every minute by minute. And when things were getting quite scary in Spain, when I couldn't get him home, mm. it was just, I was like, what do I do? Like Josh is relying on me. I mm. need to do this. Um, and don't get me wrong, I cried a lot. And it was only really a year later, that I think it really hit me what had mm. happened. I remember talking to my mum about it. And I just burst out crying again. I was like, this is not OK. Like, I've got to stop this. And she said, no, you need to do this. You need to. And it's probably only now that I can talk about it without. It still chokes me up. Yeah. But I can do it without tears streaming down my face because I've never been that close to thinking I've lost him. Like mm-hmm. he's gone. That's it. I, I didn't even get to say goodbye to him. Um, and yeah, I would have been fine if he, if it had all gone horribly wrong. I know I would be fine. But. I didn't want to be fine. Yeah. I wanted him still here. I still wanted him here to drive me up the wall and me drive him up the wall and us just be that pair that just go, okay, we're going to do this. Because we yeah. are, like, if you ask anybody, like, they'll just, oh, yeah, we just go, okay, fine, we'll do that. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Who on earth learns to scuba dive with one arm? I, I called him shark bait because he looks like a seal. <laughs> Why would you, just get- you are literally bait. <laughs> but, you know, we don't we don't take and we do take life seriously don't get me wrong but any opportunity we snap up in a heartbeat yeah. and we're already, already talking about what we want to do next year you know if we're allowed to yeah. um you know he wants to get back diving he's desperate to go back to work and you know it's just life isn't it you just yeah. you just muddle through and just, um, no it was when i think it was david and ali that came over for dinner and everybody sat down and move their knife and fork back the other way. And David said to me, why do you set the, ta- you set the table the wrong way around? And I was like, oh, I'm- it's because I'm used to putting everything on the left-hand side for Josh. So when I lay the table,
2: yeah.
1: I subconsciously put everything on the left. And like, if you came into our kitchen, you would notice that everything that you yeah. kind of get to, like, you know, your oils and salt yeah. and pepper and stuff, everything is on the left-hand side. But yeah. to me, that is just normal now. Yeah, You know, we just... People have said to me before, like, oh, what do you do differently? I was like, uh, everything. But <laughs> it's not different anymore. It's just, it's normal to us. Yeah. You know, things have to be lower down in the bathroom so Josh can get, because, you know, if you've got no legs, there's only one way to climb into a shower. Yeah. So everything's at Josh's height. You know, I have the top shelves and he has the bottom shelves. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we just make it work.
0: Oh, that sounds like absolutely brilliant. And uh, I know this has been absolutely fantastic. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. It's been really, really fun. I'm so thank you, Anna, so much for today. And uh, thank you, everyone, for going and listening to episode 11 of the Give Us Time podcast. Again, a massive thank you to Anna today. Um, if you want to go and keep up with Anna's story, then you can go on to uh, Make sure to go and follow her on so- social media as well. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Please like and follow all the Give Us Time social media. And uh, thank you very much for listening. All right. Bye-bye.